0: Pastor Xavier Savior and the importance of being a doer of the Word. Romans 10.14 says, How then shall they call on
1: Him who they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? It can be myself, it can be an evangelist, it can be yourself, anybody, we're the instruments. Communicating clearly to the lost as you were communicated clearly and you were
0: saved. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The Bible is much more than a book, much more than good literature, and much, much more than a bestseller. Today, Pastor Xavier helps unveil the true purpose of the Simple Truths of God's Word and the impact it should have on the lives of his followers. Here he is with today's important lesson from his continued study series of the Gospel of Luke, titled, Conditions of Men's Hearts. Let's listen. Jesus has been preaching and
1: teaching about the kingdom of God, as you know. In uh, chapter 4, verse 43, he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also because for this purpose I have been sent. And Jesus then in chapter six verse forty five declared the beatitudes about those who were in the kingdom living Christ like. In contrast to those rejecting the kingdom, putting the finger on the problem. Are you ready for it? The heart. Luke six forty five. Listen to what he says. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And the evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. He nails them, the heart. Then in 732 and 35, Jesus then rebuked the Pharisees and lawyers for rejecting the will of God to believe and to be forgiven by the preaching of John and himself, describing them as fickle, self-centered, spoiled children, not wanting to play wedding as they play a song, a little ditty, and then they didn't want to play funeral, give a sad song, you know... John is an ascetic, and you, you're a glutton. So nothing satisfied them. They were just critics, sold out on their own philosophy of life. And then in chapter 747, Jesus rebukes Simon, the self-righteous Pharisee for exalting himself above the prostitute. Therefore I say to you, Jesus says, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loves much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. He's been talking about the kingdom, ladies and gentlemen. Now, Jesus declares the parable of the sword to describe the various responses of sinners to the gospel of the kingdom here in verses 4 down to 18. It's characterized by the following. First, the proclamation of the parable in verse 4 through 10. Secondly, you have the interpretation of the parable in verse 11 through 15. And then you have the application of the parable by another parable in verse 16 through 18. The proclamation of the parable comes first, 4 through 10. Notice in verse 4, the situation set for the parable is given to us. Jesus once again addresses the crowd. And when a great multitude had gathered. Mark tells us and gives us greater details in Mark 4.1. He says that he was teaching by the Sea of Galilee great multitude had gathered and they got into the boat again and he sat in the boat and the people were in the land facing the sea mark 4 1 it puts it exactly where where it's at Luke is not so interested in chronological order but in an orderly manner by which he's going to give to Theophilus the full report of Jesus so he starts way earlier than any other not the Gospels now Jesus was being sought out by all notice They had come to him from every city, Cain and Nazareth, Nahan, Karez and Bethsaida, Capernaum. Now, notice Jesus taught the people. He spoke to them in parables. The word parable is a compound word, para, alongside. We get our word paralegal, paramedic, parallel parking, alongside all these different things, okay? The word boldly means to throw. In other words, to throw something besides something else. Taking something you do know, putting it next to something you don't know, so that in knowing what you do know, you'll know what you didn't know. That's a parable. The ideas of comparing something against another for similarities. A sower went out to sow seed, he's going to tell us. The farmer, this is the preacher, this is the guy sharing the gospel. The parallel, okay? The parabolic teaching primarily has the intent to stimulate the mind of the hearer who has grown indifferent, complacent, apathetic. It's a sign of compassion and love for the one who is rejecting and being deaf spiritually. But it also has severe consequences when it is not heeded. And he gives a deaf ear, and we will get those statements as we move along. About one-third of our Lord's teaching consists in parabolic teaching and and, and parabolic statements. Now, notice the declaration of the parable comes in verse 5 through 8. Jesus gives four possibilities when farmers sow seed when the word is preached. First comes verse 5. The first possibility is that the seed does not sprout up at all. A sower went out to sow seed, and as they sowed, some fell by the wayside and was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. He makes no exposition on this outside of just a statement. Secondly, verse 6. Second possibility is that the seed sprouts up, but it dries up. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Third, verse 7, the third possibility is that the seed sprout up in the midst of thorns, and it gets suffocated. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And then fourthly, in verse 8, the fourth possibility is that the seed sprouts up to be fruitful. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried out, He was near, let him hear. There's a key. The connection between all in this chapter a lot of, is hearing. How often Jesus says, He wasn't near, let him hear. What does it say to the church of Revelation? He wasn't near, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Hearing, the ear gate, responsibility, accountability. Now notice in verse 9 and 10, the explanation of the parable is given. Keep in mind, Jesus is not only teaching, but He's going to give the interpretation. You cannot alter this stuff. In verse 9, the parable was not comprehended by the 12 apostles. Then the apostles uh, asked him, saying, the disciples, what does this parable mean? Matthew 13.10 says, and the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Mark 4.10 says, but when he was alone, those around him and the 12 asked him about the parable. So as you put them side by side, you get a full picture of all that went on. In 10, notice, the Lord tells the disciples what the parable means. The twelve had opened their hearts to Jesus and were now in the kingdom of God. He said to them, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. They had believed in Jesus Christ as Messiah, repented of their sins. They had been born again and given in the perfect passive tense, resulting in the ability and privilege to know, gnosko, Eris active, to grasp the mysteries, mysterion, of the kingdom in fulfillment of things previously kept secret by God from the foundation of the world, but now made known by Jesus Christ. Matthew 13:55 tells us that in fulfillment of Psalm 78, 2. The word mysterion, every time it's found in the New Testament, it means... Something previously hidden, now made known. It's never to conceal. It's always something revealed. Okay? Every time. You have the mystery of of the blindness of Israel in Romans. You have the mystery of the blindness, not only of of Israel, but the mystery of the rapture, the mystery of the resurrection. All those things are revealed previously, hidden before. Now, notice the other sinners, who had not opened their hearts, then they had hardened it to Jesus, were hindered to understand the kingdom by their own doing. Personal responsibility. But to the rest, it is given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now, when we read Luke, it says that God is blinding them. That's why he's teaching parabolic. Again, you put them all side by side and compare them, you get the full picture. Jesus is quoting Isaiah when he was sent by God to his people who did not believe the word of God for their judgment that was coming. Therefore, the hardening of their hearts against the measure of light they had received became greater darkness to them by God's judgment. The result was because of their own stubbornness and rebellion against God. So, in other words, a parable is there to stimulate. People aren't paying attention, and you say Oh, story. We're not the but like, and and hopefully, in that story form, the punchline hits you. It convicts you, and it allows you to see your need. But If you continue in indifference, apathy, rebellion, hardness of heart, that little light, that window time that God gives you, when you reject it, it will turn into greater darkness. By your own doing. Not God's. Now Matthew and Mark quote Isaiah, but include verse 10. Luke does not of Isaiah 6. Matthew says, and in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. Listen, he clears it up. Saying, hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of his people have grown dull, heavy, hardened, callous, stiff-necked. Their ears are hard of hearing, their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. Matthew 13, 14, and 15. Isaiah's preaching, he's got God, shut up, we don't want to hear you covering their eyes, covering their ears. They don't want to hear. God says, okay, I'll respect your choice. Wow, that's scary. Mark says, in Mark 4, 12, seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. So, saying no to the gospel is not a light matter. It brings greater darkness sometimes to the individual. That little light is removed. You remember Pharaoh hardened his heart, hardened his heart, hardened his heart. Then we read, and then God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. God says, okay, you keep rejecting me. I'm going to honor your choice, and I'm going to strengthen your rebellion against me. That's not fair. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You've been rebelling against God ten times, three times, five times, fifty times, a thousand times. And that line comes, right? Now the purpose of a parable is not to conceal them, but to reveal truth. Jesus tells the disciples, Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Matthew thirteen thirteen 13. It's to try to have them see. It's to try to capture their attention. It's to give them the punchline to see their need. In other words, attempting to gain their interest, to awaken their apathy, indifference, and spiritual blindness, Their hardened hearts in hope that they might believe and embrace the gospel truth. The parable of the sower is found in all three synoptic gospels, as you know. Matthew is the longest, 23 verses, with 10 to 10 parables, depending how you divide them up. Mark is next, with 20 verses, four kingdom parables. Luke is the briefest, 14 verses, with two kingdom parables. And all of them present a picture of the present age in the absence of the king till he comes for his bride. Particularly, Matthew 13, the kingdom parables. Now, notice Jesus said the parable of the sower is a key parable to understand all parables. We get this in Mark 4.13. Listen carefully. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables. It's very, very key. That's why he gives every interpretation, every detail. Evangelism is um, trying to turn people that are going the wrong direction when they are so certain they're going the right direction. You ever be in a car with somebody and you know they're going the wrong direction? And you say, no, 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 let's stop and see. No, 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 let's get some instruction. No, 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 no. They're gone. They're sure, but they're wrong. We must learn to um, take simple and everyday language to communicate the faith of Christ to others. Too many Christians speak Christianese to the non-believer. They're trying to figure out what planet you're from. Romans 10, 14 says, How then shall they call on him who they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? It can be myself, it can be an evangelist, it can be yourself, anybody, we're the instruments. Communicating it clearly to the lost as you were communicated clearly and you were saved. The person is not the important one but the proclamation of Jesus or the gospel with the desire to have the sinner saved. That's what we're looking for. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 3 5 through 7. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believe. As the Lord gave to each one, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither is he who plants anything or he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Sometimes we get too enamored with the vessel, and pretty soon we're worshiping the vessel rather than Jesus Christ. Jesus is our greatest example. He spoke very clear. There has never been a better teacher than Jesus Christ. (laughs) The proclamation of the parable was to save sinners. Now, second comes the interpretation of the parable. And these are the words of Jesus. You can't mess with them. 11 through 15. We're not left to our own interpretation. But our Lord provides it. In verse 11, Jesus explains to his disciples what he meant by the seed. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The word of God is the revelation of God to man about the good news through the gospel of Jesus Christ and about him, who he is. That he's the Messiah, the anointed of God, and all of scripture, Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman, the Messiah, Shiloh coming, Genesis 49.10. That prophet, ultimate prophet, Deuteronomy 18.15, the, the virgin that would bear a son, Isaiah 7.14. He would be born in Bethlehem, Micah 5.2, and many, many others. That's what the Gospels about, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And that Jesus was God incarnate. The Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world. John says in John 1, 1 and 14, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and God was the Word. And the Word became flesh, and we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Paul the Apostle in Philippians chapter 2, uh, verse 5 down through 8, he says, Being in the form of God, didn't think it robbery to be equal with God, but He emptied Himself of His glory and took on the form of a servant, even to the death of the cross. Wow. That's what the gospel's about. Now, the sower is not stated here by Luke, but Matthew thirteen thirty-seven. Jesus said, The Son of Man is the sower. He's the ultimate sower. We are just the extension of Jesus. The gospel alone saves nothing else. Listen to James 1, Of His own will, He brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruit of His creatures. 1 Peter one twenty three born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. The gospel. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Romans 10.17. Notice next, Jesus explains to his disciples the meaning of the various sowing of seed. The four different types of soils represent the conditions of the heart of people. Luke says, the seed that fell on good ground are the good hearts. In Luke 8.15. Okay. Matthew says, lest they understand with their hearts. Matthew 13.15. Mark says, the word that was sown in their hearts. Mark 4.15. So all three agree. Okay. The heart. The wayside represents A heart of unbelief, first of all. That's the first. Verse 12. They are exposed to the gospel. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. The ear gate. The tense is the participle, present, active. Literally, our hearing. The ground is hard. Having been walked on. The farmer's plowing. It's the the path of walking. It's compacted. The seed lays on top. It's not broken up. It can't receive the word of God. Can't receive the word. They continue to be blinded by Satan, notice and sin, due to their unbelief. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts. Yes, the devil takes it out of the heart, but they gave that permission allowance by being in unbelief, rejecting what they're hearing. Are we clear on that? Okay, you can't blame everything on Satan, though he's the ultimate who removes it. He's there to hinder. It's the individual who closes his ear to the light he has received. Birds that devour the seed, there, they're always re- representative of evil. Whenever you see birds in the scriptures, unless the context would dictate otherwise, leaven every time represents sin, unless otherwise. That's a rule of first mention. Okay, you have to be consistent in your in your symbolism. Now. Second Corinthians 4, 3-4 says this, listen carefully. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe. Satan is blinding, but who do not believe. Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of God, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So the hindrance comes from the person first, and Satan also. Now, notice the purpose is stated. Lest they should believe and be saved. Verse 12 at the end there. These do not believe the gospel to be true, nor place their confidence in Jesus, and remain unsaved. These sinners are dead and trespassed in sins, like you and I were at one time, walking according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. Ephesians 2. One and two. Second comes the rock. represents the shallow heart. They are equally exposed to the gospel. They take hold of it, it says. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, representing their heart. The individual is responsible for the hearing, not Satan, not others. They would receive, they said, they receive the word, it means to take hold with the hand, to embrace, to make it their own. They have joy, gladness. These being on the rock sprout up, having a few inches of dirt. The rock is warm from the sun, but they have no deep root, again representing the heart. But the seed does sprout. It does come up. They do not continue in the gospel, it says. Who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. Now notice the result is that they fall away. Episteme simply means to depart, to withdraw, or to cease. Okay? Now if I say something that offends you in the next minute or so, and you get up and storm out of here and go to your car and leave, are you going to tell me... Because you left early, you were never at church? Think about it. G. Campbell Morgan says they apostatized. Perhaps thinking Christianity was trouble free. Certainly, you can think of living emotionally and by feelings, many other things, but he doesn't go into these details. He just says it's a shallow heart, you understand? It's a personal choice. Look at 14. Thirdly, comes the thorns. They represent the uncultivated heart. They also hear and take hold of the gospel. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, they receive the seed, Matthew 13, 22 tells us. They don't grow, develop or mature in Christ. So they are allured and ties and overcome by worldliness. And they go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. The failure is to believe one can live in both worlds at the same time. You cannot serve two masters, you'll love the one and hate the other. The neglect is in not weeding out the things that choke God's will, revealing God's word. That's personal
0: responsibility once you've heard, right? Once you've received. Pastor Xavier Reese, and the importance of putting the simple truths of the Word of God into practice. And you can hear this message again anytime online by simply selecting today's date at the radio listings link you'll find at CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. But there's still much more to come right here next time as well. However, if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, you can always pick up your own copy of this message. And the title to ask for is Conditions of Men's Hearts. It's available on CD for only $4. And make sure you pass on this study to someone in your church or Bible study. Now, once again, the title to ask for is Conditions of Men's Hearts. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800 926 Join Pastor Xavier Reese right here next time for more on reaping the results of sowing the simple truths of the Word of God. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com